0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Friday evening of the show, I pushed it back today. I think you know why now, right? We're going to talk about this young man a lot. Not just today, but in the years ahead. It's Chris Parson Commitment Day. And it went exactly as we expected and as we hoped. So we're going to break that down today and talk about what it means to Mississippi State. What his game means to the air raid offense. We're going to talk a little bit about lsu we're going to talk about maybe some things that are to come and i got a, a special top 10 list for today because it's chris parson day we didn't let chris pick the list maybe in the future we will maybe i will share with you that we did have practice today we're going to talk about that too i know like sometimes that gets lost in the middle of all the excitement it's like hey you know This is all details of a bigger story, right? He's committing to us. You know, games are won and lost on the recruiting trail, but they're not won at the press conference. You know, this is like a means to a bigger end. We get an elite player to join our football program in hopes of us winning more games and then ultimately getting more elite football players. It's a cycle, right? But we did practice football today. We didn't practice long, though. And some of that, I honestly believe, nobody said this, I think the staff wanted to watch the announcement. I do. And there's there's video evidence of it out there, of Leach and them on a tablet watching Chris Parson commit to Mississippi State. I don't suspect it was a surprise to anybody. But if you watch that video, and if you didn't, you can watch it over at our website, jeanspage.com, part of the 247 Sports Network. You can go see us. Uh, Steve Wiltfong and uh, w- Wilt really did a good job for us on this. Uh, Paul Jones uh, kind of worked behind the scenes to kind of make some arrangements here. We reached out to Steve and set this whole thing up that we could announce it live on the 247 Sports platform. I think we cut practice short for that. Now, it's not just for that, okay? I think, number one, six straight days of camp, you get a day off yesterday. Tomorrow afternoon is the first fall scrimmage. Probably want to give guys a chance to kind of get their legs under them. And I thought we were a little bit sluggish a little bit today, but we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But uh, it's been a good week for the defense. I will say that. It's been a good week for the defense. And that's not to say that the offense has been misfiring. I think defense making plays. Like this defense a lot. So, hey, if you had not done so, let me encourage you, get out and go see Bulldog Burger Company. Get out and go check them out. If you haven't been recently, you need to go. Of course, they've updated the menu just a little bit, added some things. Many of you are just maybe getting back to town. Maybe some of you students that have been out, maybe working internships or perhaps doing summer jobs or just kind of, you know, being kids for a while. Now you're back in town. Go by and check them out. They got that new patio area here in Starkville, place you can sit outside and even bring your dog and eat outside with your dog. I'd be careful what you gave him because some of these burgers are a little bit involved, shall we say. You know, maybe your dog's got a cast iron stomach. I don't know. And maybe you do but bulldog burger company is the best place to go get a restaurant quality hamburger in this part of the country go by and check them out today have the spring rolls as your appetizer i encourage you as always go make sure that you get those spring rolls because we need the world to be a more beautiful place and it's in writing they make you better looking have a great restaurant quality burger my favorites tend to shift you know how it is like if you've had the same thing for a while like you know i hadn't had this in a while like right now I'm thinking the next time I go in, I'm having a freshman 15, which was the second burger that I had. I had the Bulldog initially, which is just a good straight ahead rock and roll hamburger, right? I was like, you know what? This is outstanding. But next time, I'm going to try something maybe a little more exotic. I encourage you to do the same. Three great locations to choose from. University Drive here in Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one lake harper drive in the ridge and flowwood area you go by and check them out today get that chocolate shake to go you'll be glad you did all right all right so uh <laughs> roy's texting me like in the middle of the us i'm recording you know i'm already thinking i got to get this thing done so i can go get something to eat and i had a friend of mine say hey we're talking about them being somewhat finicky with food and they're talking about how they have their ribs and now i'm thinking that i should go get some ribs somewhere you know how that works, right? I haven't eaten much today. And what's funny about that too, uh, I, don't, I don't want to spend on time on this because I know you guys want to talk football, but um, you know what's weird to me? It's like the mistakes that some people made. I'm not going to get here and have this big uh, rant about fast food service. I appreciate those who show up for work every day. And I understand that mistakes are part of the human condition. I, I get it. Had a really bad experience at a fast food restaurant in town earlier this week. So I went to uh, another place. I'm not going to mention the names because they, they don't pay for advertising, right? And I also don't want to be seen kind of running somebody else down. Uh, but the reality, I went to somewhere else and uh, got what I wanted. It was fine. Wasn't exactly what I wanted. I would have gone there in the first place, right? And uh, so today I go through a national chain, let's just say, a national fast food joint. And I said, hey, let me get two cheeseburgers with no onion and no pickle. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, I get the no pickle because I want to make sure I get it fresh. I don't want it like a burger that's been sitting around. You know what I mean, right? I had a friend of mine who used to always want his buns steamed. That way he knew that it was fresh, which is a little weird to me. I get it. But I can't eat with onions on it. I just can't. And it's not a choice. And I laugh at these people like, I can't believe you don't like onions. i like, well, I can't believe you don't like Motley Crue. Right? There's a reason that we have vanilla shakes and chocolate shakes. Everybody has a preference, and that's okay. The main one's right or wrong. I don't like onions. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'm done with onions. I think I'm done. It's never really gotten me anywhere. You don't have any onions. So I think I'm done. I, it wasn't a conscious decision. I don't like them. And I don't, they said, well, you can take them off. And I shouldn't, No more. I shouldn't have taken take them off. I'm the customer. I order no onions. And even if I take them off, there is still the, that evil stench. There is still the juice of those onions on the bun, and I can't eat it. It makes me want to vomit. But I go order two. I said, let me get two cheeseburgers, no onion, no pickle, on the way to practice. I got my oil change, all that good stuff. So like I got a trip tomorrow. And so I get my two burgers. One has no onions and no pickle. The other has both. How do you mess that up? I mean, I can understand... Both of them being right or both of them being wrong. But I saw the girl slip myself. So how do you make one incorrect and one correct? Again, if that's the biggest problem we have today, it's been a great day, and it has been a great day for Mississippi State. So let's talk about Chris Parson. I don't know if he likes onions or not. I suspect he doesn't. I would suspect he doesn't like onions. Because I think Chris is probably cool. I don't know if you know this too, and you can check me on this. I, I think people that put onions in potato salad... Probably are are like psychotic I I really do why would you put onions in potato salad it ruins the dish so if you ever have me over and you say Steve we got some great potato salad here well I'll I'll decide if it's great depending on what the ingredients are do you have onions in there I might get up and leave I I might walk off in a huff I don't like onions and you can't force them on me you can't make me like them but anyway, let's talk about Chris Parson. Enough about onions. Chris Parson, an outstanding commitment to Mississippi State. We've talked about him extensively on the show. We're going to talk about him a little bit more today. Now, the highest rated commitment in the Bulldog class of 2023 and a drawing card in many respects. Chris is a very high profile recruit. Now, it's important to understand, too, a lot of this makes sense in hindsight, right? Chris Parson. His mother is from Starkville. His grandparents live, I think, five minutes away from campus. His dad graduated from Mississippi State. He had a Chad Bumpus jersey as a kid. He has grown up watching Mississippi State games, but to his credit, you know, he kind of went his own way. He was a Florida State fan. And listen, Florida State's had some great teams, not, not recently, but some great teams in his lifetime. He was a Florida State fan, but he was very familiar with Mississippi State. There's so a lot of connections. As a matter of fact, Paul Jones wrote an article about all the connections between Chris, his family, and Mississippi State. So it makes sense that he would have a real comfort level here. I love this get. I absolutely love Chris Parson committing to Mississippi State. If you've watched his film, and if you haven't, I encourage you to do so. You say, well, Steve, where do I find it? Just go Google Chris Parson Huddle. That's H U D L, Chris Parson Huddle. And you'll find about 8 minutes and 18 seconds worth of last year's footage. This guy is next-level good. Not the biggest guy, just over 6 feet, right around 6'1". But lining up in the shotgun, he's fine. You know, he, He's not going to have to do all these three- and five-step drops behind these mammoth offensive linemen. He's going to be able to see the field. He does really well. But his release is so quick and so efficient, it's like throwing darts. And you see him drop back there, and then the next thing you know, he gets flushed out and he's on the run. And you look up and it's like he's throwing it 50 yards downfield like it's nothing. The arm strength is there. The mobility is there. And that's the thing that I think makes this so dynamic for Mississippi State. A lot of people have been very critical of Mike Leach and say, well, you know, Mike's stubborn and set in his ways and not going to do this, not going to change that. Mike has went out and recruited a more athletic quarterback, three consecutive classes. Chris Parson, perhaps the most athletic of those quarterbacks. When you look and see what Cliff Kingsbury has done in the air raid with a more mobile quarterback, with Aaron Murray, it's ridiculous. When you look at what Lincoln Riley has done at Oklahoma in the air raid with a more athletic quarterback, it's ridiculous. So you're seeing the old pirate maybe maybe place some faith in the experiences of his disciples. And I think this Chris Parson commitment – shows a step in that direction and a lot of people are like i can't wait for him to play we got some other guys are going to play too okay it's not like chris is just going to take over next year chris got to come in learn develop he'll tell you the same he's got to learn the nuances of the scheme got to rep it out guys can be really good but i think when you look at what mississippi state has put together in the time that mike leach has been here there have been four signing classes counting this one and that yes i get it we haven't gone to signing day yet, but let's just say four recruiting cycles. And Mike Leach has landed a four-star quarterback in each of those cycles. That's going back to KJ Costello, who was a four-star transfer, rated the number two transfer prospect in the country behind JT Daniels. I know it didn't work out. It still took some tremendous recruiting effort to get the guy here. Again, it didn't work out. But it's not because we didn't evaluate him well and we didn't recruit him well. Things just didn't work out. Well, then the next year, we get Daniel Greek and Sawyer Robertson. Sawyer Robertson remains the highest-rated quarterback to ever sign with Mississippi State. We didn't, When Melvin Barkham uh, committed, maybe Melvin probably would have been a five-star, right, year, years ago back in, you know, in the 70s. But, um, and then you know, last year, we go out and get Braden Locke, who set the Texas high school record for touchdowns. And now you get Chris Parson. And so there are some quarterback windows that are open for us that have historically been closed. We're getting the level of quarterback we expected to get under Dan Mullen. Now, that was the big thing. And listen, that is not a shot at Dan's ability to develop and cultivate a good quarterback culture at Mississippi State. But we're getting guys with a higher ceiling under Mike Leach. You know, the dual threat quarterbacks very much in vogue. And Chris is not really a dual threat quarterback. There are a lot of people out there that, like, have to have the run-pass option. They have to the threat of the run to kind of open up the pass. Hey, Chris can sit back there and pick you apart. Go watch the film. You'll see him talking about it. But he's a guy, too, when things break down, he's going to make you pay. You drop an eight, the play's you know, slow developing or whatever. You're dropping eight, he's going to slip a guy and run for 10 yards, run for 15 yards, run for 20. The guy is an elite athlete. This is, I cannot overstate how big this is for Mississippi State. So let's get a little deeper into the Chris Parson profile. I don't know that all of his offers are on here. But even if they're not, he's got a pretty substantial list here to kind of look at, you know. And and I, that's the thing that I always says, you know, I, I've always been a guy that's like, hey, I, I trust the coaches. And I do. I, try, I That's not to say that I want not ever second guess. We've taken some guys in the last few years that uh, I go back and watch their film and I'm like, I don't know, you know. And more times than not, they have not proven me wrong. But all that said, so a couple dozen offers here. I'll I'll run through the highlights, I won't read them all. But of course, Mississippi State and Florida State, he was a Florida State commitment and was committed to them forever and even took an official visit back in June. That did not alleviate his concerns about them wanting to take two quarterbacks and it's ironically now Florida State has zero quarterback commitments. SMU was also a finalist. Arkansas offered Cal, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, Miami, Oregon State, Syracuse, TCU was also a finalist. Uh, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Virginia Tech. So the final four Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, SMU, TCU. I did a little due diligence yesterday, reached out to a couple people. And everybody was here, and it was Mississippi State. And here's the thing that I have learned about that, and I've been doing this a long time, since 1997. A long time. The thing that I have learned is like when somebody else in the media that covers another school shows a little bit of confidence, it always makes me think, what, what is it I don't know? Why are they so confident? You know, a lot of times it's been on the Ole Miss side of things, and that, that hadn't always proven to be, you know, hard and fast rule, but – you know, like when Yancey Porter, and I know a lot of you guys don't like him, but, um, you know, when Yancey's got really, really confident about an in-state kid, it always concerned me. It always did. Not, not to suggest there's, like, any malfeasance or anything, and, and, and records will show that at times there were, but it always makes you question yourself. What is it I've overlooked? Who do I need to talk to? I want to make sure we get this right. And so when we get close to a decision – I reach out and I call people or I'll text people or in the industry and say, hey, here's what, what are you hearing? Everybody within the last 72 hours that I have had contact with all said it was going to be Mississippi State. Either they felt that strongly or they had heard directly that it was going to be Mississippi State. And so I went to bed last night thinking, hey, I'm going to write my story tomorrow. We'll have it ready and, and give Paul Jones a lot of credit. Paul had already done an advanced interview with a kid. So we were kind of playing with house money a little bit. But all that said, when you get down to the, of the day of the announcement, you're just kind of ready to get it done. I will say, I think the video of that announcement, and I'm so glad that we did it at 247 Sports. I mean, again, tip of the cap. Tip of the cap in a major way to Steve Wolfong for taking the time and, and really doing a professional deal there for us. But uh, when Parson made his announcement, the crowd absolutely erupts. And it's a packed gymnasium. And they absolutely just kind of jump all over that. And he starts clapping his hands, and he starts yelling out, let's go. And I got chills. I, got, I went back and watched it a second, third time, got chills again. I'm talking about it, and now I'm getting chills. To see a young man be that excited to join our program, you know, and that's not to say that most of them aren't, but to have a recruit of this significance, a guy that can be a drawing card for the rest of this class, be that excited, a Chris Parson in no way, acts like Mississippi State was his second choice. I I think there was a plan, and it worked out probably the way that it was supposed to work out, right? I think that's the reality of it. I think in his heart, maybe he felt like he wanted to go to Florida State, and then all of a sudden some things changed. And I'm not going to say anything negative about those guys. I don't think they handled it well. But I think in the end, he was supposed to be here. He was supposed to be at Mississippi State. And I think when you see the smiles on his family's faces – Because they're all there in the video he's got his brother and his sister sitting behind him and his parents on either side of him and when the crowd explodes there are these very genuine and very organic smiles that pop up that just simply cannot be faked simply cannot be there was joy on that stage there was jubilation in that arena it's our future quarterback announced i'm going to mississippi state outstanding development for this class. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? actress Katherine Heigl who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs joints odors and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to BadLandsFood.com forward slash Boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's BadLandsFood.com forward slash Boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot Let me tell you a little bit about this new video Smart Lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get... F Y some for the future of this program now there are a couple things I want to address too while we're talking about this and I know listen people are like well Steve sometimes it gets a little bit preachy well I'm fixing to preach okay so we'll pass around an offering plate and hum just as I am when I'm done the day that we get a commitment from a four-star quarterback I start reading some of these posts well I'm not going to celebrate until he signs on the dotted line okay cool but why do you have to be that way what is that again? well this kid just went through all the trouble to set up this huge announcement and it is streamed on a national platform to announce his decision to go to Mississippi State and we just want to start shooting holes in it I don't get it I don't understand while we have some people that just they're all they're gonna find the one little black cloud in the in the pure blue sky they, they just are and I've just kind of reached a point now where I'm like you know I think I'm gonna just kind of move on from all this I'm not even gonna address it but you know, the, the danger with that is is sometimes then they're all of a sudden they're the only ones talking hey listen John Q self-loathing fan we know today is not signing day we we get it We know there's a long time till signing day, or actually about four months and two weeks. We get it. But let me ask you this, Mr. Johnny Fowlweather. Who's the last Mississippi State quarterback commitment that didn't sign with Mississippi State? When's the last one? Who is it? Can you tell me? Chances are you can't. But for some reason, we're going to come out there with the wet blanket. And just lay it on everybody else. And, you know, the good thing is I think most of our fans are like, dude, just go on. Okay? But please stop being that guy. Even if you think it, stop posting it. Don't tweet it. Don't be in your little Facebook groups talking about Talking that way. We're never going to advance as a program. And, and I mean this with as much sincerity as I can muster. We are never going to move forward as a fan base and as a program, as long as this negativity among some of our people that are always forecasting failure is prevalent within the fan base. It's as simple as that. It's true. It's one thing I'll tell you. Um, One thing I will say that I respect about Ole Miss, and there's not much, you know, there are bitter enemies, but one of the things that I would respect about them even as though it's annoying many times is whenever they get anything in their minds, it is the best in the world. They're wrong, but in their minds, this is amazing. Look at how fortunate we are. Look at how great this is, how wonderful it is. This young man chose to be a rebel, right? Like when they built their IPF, like none of those fans had ever been in an IPF. Oh, we've got the best IPF in the country. It wasn't even the best in the conference. But that's their talking point. On the other side of things, many of our fans, it doesn't matter what we do. No matter how much money we spend, how many experts we bring in to ensure efficiency, to fear excellence, to ensure excellence, we're going to have somebody. We're going to have a handful of people. I mean, we build Duty Noble Field, right? the the crown jewel of college baseball and it wasn't open a month we had people i don't like it i don't like it i don't like it man I, i think to myself this isn't a mississippi state problem this is a you problem so please stop involving us in your own personal levels of insecurity rest your insecurity somewhere else today is a great day for mississippi state today is a great day for mississippi state football. Today's a great day for Mike Leach. And, again, it shows some innovation and a willingness to adapt. That, And you want to talk about what's going to get us to Atlanta? That is going to get us to Atlanta. Us being able to kind of tweak a little bit. You know, Mike Leach is a bit of a mad scientist. And the fact that Mike's like, hey, you know what, let me pay attention here. There's some other people out there running my scheme that grew up under my coaching tree that are having some pretty good success with a little different brand of quarterback. So maybe I should listen to that. Maybe I should look at that. And we have. And so I'm not going to let anybody rain on our parade. It is an incredible day. I'm so incredibly excited about Chris Parson. And that is in no way disrespect to any of our other quarterbacks. When you look at the depth we have in that room, it is an embarrassment of riches, unlike we have ever seen at Mississippi State. In our history, you say, but Steve, no. You can go do the math yourself. Think about what it's going to look like next year. Okay, Will Rogers was a three-star out of high school, right? Daniel Greg was a three-star, and I don't know what Daniel's future holds. I don't. He may decide, you know what, I'm going to hang in here, and I'm going to learn everything I can about the air rate, and I'm going to go into high school coaching someday. Maybe that's his goal. I don't know. Or maybe he decides, you know what, hey, after I got my degree, I think maybe I'll go to a smaller school and I'll play somewhere. But no matter what he does, I wish him the best. And I am very appreciative of his contributions to Mississippi State sports, even if he never takes the field right but let's begin to think about this quarterback room you have four four stars in the quarterback room next year four excuse me three before i get too ahead of myself you can have three four-star quarterbacks i remember a time when we would sign a four-star quarterback like once a decade and you gotta have three on the roster next year and then will rogers got it was not a four-star One of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of the Southeastern Conference. And so you begin to shake this thing down, and you begin to look at it, and you begin to realize, you know, I don't care if it's the Pee Wees or the Pros, and we've had this discussion before. The team with the better quarterback generally wins. Just look at Tom Brady. Tampa Bay was just an average team. They go in a Super Bowl together. The team with the better quarterback genuinely wins. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it generally works out that way. Like, look at last year. They look at the Egg Bowl. Matt Corral played the better game. Matt Corral had a little better help. They won. And I know it stings Will Rogers. I know it does. I know it's something that motivates him every single day that we've lost two Egg Bowls during his tenure. That's something you've got to live with, right? But you've got a chance to get two more, maybe more. But the reality of it is, is we are seeing the evolution of the quarterback room unlike anything else we've ever had. And as you get the greater quarterbacks, you start getting the better receivers. And we talk about how deep this receiver room is now, and, and there's some guys in there that are dudes now. Don't get me wrong. But when you start signing the Sawyer Robertsons, the Braden Locks, and the Chris Parson of the world it shows a signal that hey you know what I believe in what Mississippi State is doing why don't you come and join me so wide receiver recruiting has gone pretty well but I believe that we're going to see some doors open up for Mississippi State that maybe haven't you know for years we couldn't get a wide receiver I mean we just simply couldn't get one you know we'd have to go out and you know and I go back to that group we had you know with Chad Bumpus and Arcito Clark and Chris Smith and that was one of the better recruiting classes we had had at receiver, and they were all in-state, outside of Bumpus for the most part, developmental guys. And, Chris, and Chad will tell you, he had a lot of learning to do himself, but you know, Chad was a guy that was a you know, very explosive athlete early in his career. matter of fact, if you, if you recall, through the first pass of the Dan Mullen era, trying to get it out there to O'Neal Wilder. But I remember thinking how great that wide receiver class was, and if we're honest with ourselves, it was really good. It wasn't great. Was really good. Well, now I believe we can start taking some steps towards great. When you go back and you think, I remember when uh, Tim Brewster was here, and he goes out and he signs Donald Gray as a sign and place guy, and he hired, he go gets Duranye Wilson, God rest his soul. And neither of those guys were highly recruited, but we believed in our evaluation, and we kind of got those developmental guys, and they came in here and did a great job for us. And there were some guys that wanted to come play with Dak. I mean, you look at Fred Ross. I mean, you know, Fred's a gathered. We we had some family ties here. But, uh, you know, the direction of the program is really what kind of sold them, right? That's why it's so important to go win some games this year. Because all of a sudden you've got evidence. And then you say, hey, you know what? Mississippi State's turned in the right direction. And look at the guys they're bringing in. Look at the recruiting class they're putting together. People are like, oh, but Steve, we're only ranked 35 in the country. You know what? I don't even care. I believe in my own evaluations. I've been watching SEC players up close and watching film. You know, I watch probably 100 or so highlight videos in the spring and summer alone. Not that I'm some college football expert, but I know an SEC player when I see one. And I know there are some under-recruited areas within this state. I remember Caleb Ewell's, I remember Chris Wilson told me, if Caleb Eules lived in Dallas, Fort Worth, or Atlanta, he'd had 50 offers. Well, he didn't. He went to Yazoo County, Mississippi. And we were fortunate that he did because he came here and had a really good career for us and ultimately spent some time in the National Football League. He was also rated pretty well. You remember Bernardrick McKinney? Remember him? Yeah, I'm sure you do. You know who we beat out to get him? Holmes County Community College. That's it. And you can say, well, you know, Steve, you guys always highlight that. There's always some busts. That's true, too. That's absolutely true. There are some developmental guys that we get that don't always make a major contribution but my point being is that there are going to be some guys out there that we're going to be excited about, and maybe they don't have a big offer sheet, and maybe they don't have a high rating. They're going to come in here and make a lot of people look stupid. Yeah, I go back to that recruiting class that we had. I can't remember what year it was, but uh, it was the year we had Preston Smith, and I think it was the last year we had two stars because I finally convinced uh, our friends when we were scout.com when ultimately everybody kind of followed our lead. I said there's no reason that an SEC school should ever have a two-star unless he's a kicker. And so now it's kind of standard in the industry. Scott Kennedy agreed with me. Jimmy Newberg agreed with me. I said, because when Mississippi State went to number one in the country, everybody started writing all these articles about how Preston Smith was a two-star. Miss Dan Mullen getting it down with a bunch of two-stars. And they really weren't two-stars. They weren't two-star talents. They were, they were basically, he was basically a shot at Mississippi State. It's like, well, Mississippi State's not very good, so how good could the kid be if that's where he's going? And then all of a sudden, Dan Mullen's like, that's fine. I'll just develop these guys and come in there and whip your tail. And that's exactly what he did. And so I I share that because the rankings today, I think, are better than they ever have been, even though we do have some offer counters in the industry. And I see that Rivals has Chris Parson rated as a three-star. If that's the case, okay, then that tells me the people at Rivals are not paying attention. This is a kid that made the Elite 11 Finals. Guys legit. Look at the film and look at what he did. We talk about, well, there's a bunch of combine heroes out there. Yeah. Look at what Chris did at Elite Eleven. Go look at his highlights and look at his film. I don't care what they rate him, but when Chris Parsons gets the opportunity to get some college experience under his belt in this offense, provided he stays healthy and works hard. Chris Parsons is gonna make a lot of people look stupid. And I love all the people, oh, there's this, there's always the sour grapes, and always this, and opposing fan bases. And you know what? What they think means absolutely nothing. It's just not important. And listen, when some of these teams that we don't like lose, yeah, After when I'm winding down at night, I go read their message boards and watch them melt down. I do. It's fun, right? And they do the same thing to us. But I don't care what they think about who we sign or who we commit or who we're recruiting. It's making any difference to me. None whatsoever. Why do we need their approval? I don't require it. Mike Leach offered eight quarterbacks in this class. All eight of them are now committed to a Power Five program, every single one of them. So we're clearly evaluating the right kids because the guys that Mike Leach wants, America wants. And the fact that we got a guy like this is huge for all of us. So celebrate tonight, Bulldogs. All right, time for today's top 10 list. And it's going to be interesting. Roy came up with the idea. Right? And I think Roy's proud of himself. Since it's Chris Parson Day, he said, hey, let's do a Chris Parson-themed Top 10. And you think, well, Steve, how can you do that? I'll explain. First of all, let's thank our friend Blair Chandler. Blair uh, is the longtime sponsor of the Top 10 list, and uh, a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours. Blair is a friend in the industry. You know, getting a mortgage approved is difficult. I mean, for some of us, you know, it's like, I remember the first time I did it, I was like, I never want to do this again. There's all these exhaustive questions, and they ask for things you don't think they need, and you know, it's like you need it. You, you need like a, you know a pint of blood, and a note from your mom, and like you know, lock of your kid's first hair haircut. You know, it's like there's all these things. Like, why are they asking for this stuff? The the mortgage industry is very complicated, and you know, we had the the whole uh, subprime mortgage bubble that burst several years ago, and so you know, guidelines have gotten a little more restrictive. You need somebody that knows the ins and outs of the mortgage industry. And that is Blair Chandler. Visit him at his personal website, Close with Blair, which is very catchy, considering he's in the mortgage industry. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, dot com, Or contact him directly. I'm going to give you his personal cell number. He's my friend. You're my friend. I think my friends should all be friends. Blair's number is 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And that goes directly to him. That's just personal cell numbers. So if you want a tax, you can. And maybe you've been turned down in the past and say, you know what, Steve, I just don't want to get emotionally invested in this, again, only to get let down. Give Blair a chance to help you. This is a guy that's been in the industry 21 years. Top 1% in the country in close ratio back-to-back years. Works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the top mortgage lenders in, in America, without question. So, again, that's closeofblair.com. Okay, so Roy came up with the idea and I'm kind of like Sam Kennison. be like, oh, you know, Steve, I don't know. No. Give the idea to me. Give it to me. So he's like, hey, well, what if we did like, you know, a Parson list? Well, that would be kind of difficult. So we're going to do our favorite Chris's. Now, I have a lot of favorite Chris's. I have not worked on my official Chris rankings in a long time. Maybe you have. I like Chris Farley right? Amazing. I'm very grateful to Christopher Columbus. There's a lot of musicians named Chris and I'm excited about too. Chris Brown didn't make my list. And I know that Chris Brown has had some issues and and I I get it, you know, and I'm kind of amazed to be honest with you in this cancel culture in which we live that uh, people hadn't really come at Chris Brown a little more than they have. Had some domestic issues, but the guy's incredibly talented. And then, of course, there's Chris Rock, who was amazing. The guy has been, like, one of the most celebrated comedians of my life, my entire life, right? And I'll always know him as Pookie, like, won't you? Those of you that know New Jack City? So I like a lot of Chris's. You know, there was that show, everybody hates Chris or whatever. I don't hate a lot of Chris's. Now, Chris Elliott and Coldplay will probably never make a list of mine. I don't like Coldplay. Maybe you do, and that's okay. I don't like them. kind of like onions. They are the onions of modern alternative rock music. I didn't choose not to like them. I just don't like them. But here are 10 Chrises that I really like. Now, some of these I had to kind of bend and twist a little bit, but we're celebrating Chris Parson Day with a top 10 list of musical Chris's. Okay? Now, number 10, and I moved this a couple of these back on the list because the singer's not a Chris. But we're celebrating Chris Fein from Slipknot, who is one of the percussionists in Slipknot. Been with him a long time. We're going back to the beginning. We're going Slipknot's Psychosocial. Psychosocial. You know it. Many of you know it from that viral video. That the kid that kind of looked like a nerd gets up at the talent show, and he's playing Psychosocial, and he's, like, singing. It's incredible, man. I love it. I love that kid. All right, number nine. This, again, is a little bit of a stretch. But Peter Chris, I love Peter Chris. He was my second favorite member of Kiss when I was a kid. Space Ace was number one. Gene Simmons scared me a little bit, and while I enjoyed Kiss, I was a little bit late to the uh, the Gene Simmons train because you know he was you know breathing fire and spitting blood. I thought maybe maybe there really is something to this Knights nice and Satan Service thing, right? Um, but Peter Chris, I loved Peter Chris. I still love Peter Chris. Um, but we're going to go with the Kiss classic, Deuce, right? You know your man is working hard. He's worth the deuce. All right, number eight, and this is another one. Now, this, this has a Chris Singer, and this band has actually been on the top ten list before, but it's Chris Motionless, and I, I know that's a stage name, and I don't care. I love this band, Motionless and White. Probably one of their best singles is Reincarnate. I think you'll dig it. It is more of a modern industrial sound, so it's not the classic rock of Kiss, this is going to be a pretty diverse list. And speaking of diversity, here we go, number seven, going back to the 1970s. We couldn't put a list of great Chris's together. without including Christopher Cross. So Christopher Cross, we're going to go ride like the wind, Chris. That's for you too, Chris Parson. Let's roll. Let's get it done. Christopher Cross, ride like the wind. And Chris Cross, you know, of course, he was supposed to play. He was the featured act at Numanium. if you know Seinfeld, supposedly. He was booked for the Millennium Party. I don't know if he ever showed, but Christopher Cross had a string of hits in the '70s. The guy was an incredible musician. Number six, and many of you don't know Chris Jericho the way that I know. I've met Chris Jericho. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. I have met Chris Jericho at a Fozzy show. Really nice guy. Even signed an autograph for my kid that I brought home that we had framed for him. He was the AEW champ. They were out with Fozzy. I dig Fozzie. Now, my buddy Sam Denton was kind of into Fozzie a little more than I was, and he was telling me all these deep tracks, oh, this is a great song. So by the time I got there to the Fozzie show, I was like, man, they got to play all these songs. Pull up set list sure enough they did. But we're going to go with Judas. Judas from Fozzie is number six on your list. Number five, got to work in a little country, and how could we have a list about musical Chris's without mentioning Chris Stapleton? Love Chris Stapleton, and I'll be honest with you. I learned about Chris kind of the old-fashioned way. I was out shooting pool one night, and a song came on. I'm like, well, who is this? So I whip out my phone. Hey, Siri, who sings this song? It turns out it was Chris Stapleton. The song was Parachute. I was hooked from that point forward, and I love Chris Stapleton. He is a true outlaw country guy and an incredible guitar player. There were a lot of people, and I'm going to hurt some feelings, and that's okay because I'm going to tell the truth right here. There were a lot of people in old-school country that couldn't play guitar. It's true. They could play the same two or three chord progressions, and that was basically it. And then they covered it up and had somebody play the steel guitar because they couldn't play guitar. Chris Stapleton can shred. Now, he's not Ingve Malmstein, but that guy is an incredible guitar player. And I love watching the videos, like when you guys go to the Brandon Amphitheater. One day, I'm going to go watch Chris Stapleton play, too. I love Chris's music. But we went with uh, Broken Halos, uh, and we'll, we'll give that to our friends at Florida State. Number five, Chris Stapleton, Broken Halos. All right, number four, I had to kind of bend and twist a little bit here too. And I will be seeing these this band uh, in November at the Lander Center opening up for Judas Priest. The best show I have ever seen in my life, without question, and I have seen a ton of them, was Queen's Rack and Suicidal Tendencies in Jackson. Many of you were there with me. We didn't know each other then, but we shared a moment, and I think everybody would agree that Queen's Rack show was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I'm gonna see him again, different singer. I'm a little worried about that, but Chris DeGarmo is one of my favorite guitar players, as is Michael Wilton. I love the dual lead that Queen's Rack has done so successfully for many years. But I'm not going to go with Operation Mindcrime. Even, I'm going to tell you this. If you're ever traveling, you just want something cool to listen to. Maybe, you're, maybe you know a few of the singles. Put on that Operation Mindcrime album. Just put on Hit Play because it is a concept album. There's a story, and the music matches. There's so much stuff that goes through. It is phenomenal. I listen to it all the time. I probably listen to the album in its entirety at least once a month. It still holds up. And a lot of it's because of the axe work of, uh, of Michael Wilton and Chris DeGarmo. So we're going to go with um, Empire. From Queen Strike, Empire. And that's you know this is when uh, Jeff kind of grew his hair out a little bit. So all right, number three, you may disagree. One of my favorite Chris's is Chris Daughtry He is my favorite all-time American Idol contestant. I used to watch that show every year. I thought it was wonderful, watch it with my kids. And everybody loved Chris. Everybody did. I couldn't. I thought this guy's got a chance to make it. We and none of us could wait. Back in the MySpace days for Daughtry to release the first single. And they did. And it's like every page you went to on your MySpace friends list, everybody had this as their song. And it's it's not over from Chris Daughtry's band, Daughtry's. That's number three on the list. Shout out to Chris. Number two... I I love this band from the very first note. The very first time that I heard the song Jealous Again, I was like, this is unlike anything my generation has ever seen. Now, remember, I grew up in the 80s, and we were getting beat to death by Hairspray and things like that, and thrash music was coming along, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, the Black Crows, they just dropped right in, like they'd been there all along, with an old-school vibe, with new-school attitude, and I loved them. And it's a shame I didn't get to see him last time. Because you never know when Chris and Rich are going to get mad at each other and stop touring together. But I want to go with twice as hard. You know, Chris Parson committed twice. I imagine the second time it was a more difficult decision initially because you're turning your back on uh, what at one time you thought was your dream. So, Chris, let's make him jealous again, buddy. All right, number one. And if you know me, you're no surprise that my favorite Chris My favorite Chris is Chris Otis. No, it's really not. Chris Otis is the guy I went to school with. I love Chris. But it's Chris Cornell. Matter of fact, my left lower leg sleeve is all Chris Cornell stuff. It's all Soundgarden, Slaves, some portraits of Chris. I'm very, very pleased with the work. And so my favorite Chris is Chris Cornell. And so we're going to honor all these Chrises as we celebrate Chris Parson today. Our Soundgarden song today is Outshined. And I just felt like it just kind of fit the motif today. Could go in a lot of different directions here, but we're going outshined because um, maybe we were looking Florida, but now we're feeling Mississippi, to pardon the, you know, the pun there. So that's top 10 list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. The best way to do that is to hit Roy up on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's dawgmatic M A T I C67. If you hit me up, I'll try to remember to share it with him, but sometimes I get distracted. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do. So Roy will have the list together. Matter of fact, he sent me a list. We were trying to figure out what we're going to do today, and then we decided to do this. And he sent me some that have been writing a list for a while. I'm like, you know what? Hey, we need to do that. I can't believe we hadn't done that. And so there are a couple of, there's a classic rock band, and then there is a kind of a classic rock singer that we have done one of his bands before. So we're going to do those next week. We gonna get two of our three next week. We'll knock those out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy those. We hadn't had not a great week, I'll be honest with you, on uh, our, our notifications, on our, our expressions, on our Spotify list. And uh, I have learned my lesson about the old school jam thing. I guess you guys have kind of evolved and moved on and say, Steve, you know, if you're still listening to Ready for the World, you loser, we're not going to support that. But um, here we are. So hopefully you enjoy us celebrating Chris today. We celebrate Chris on Chris Parson Day. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You love Campus Bookmart. And if you don't, you certainly should. Nobody out there has got more Mississippi State merchandise to choose from than Campus Bookmart. The Bully Shop recently renovated. It's now upstairs. A lot more to choose from. I am amazed at the selection there. went by there recently. Miss Kathy said, Hey, can you come by the store? I did. I was amazed. Spent some money while I was there. Uh, bought a couple of gifts you've got mississippi state fans in your life obviously so support them and celebrate your friendship or your familyhood with a new gift from campus Bookmart. if you can't make it to town visit them on the World Wide web at campusbookmark.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays that is bsr which stands for beautiful steve robertson that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right. We did have practice today, and it was rather abbreviated. And, again, I think it's because we wanted to kind of get our legs under us a little bit as, uh, as we got in, in, kind of got involved with things. Tomorrow, the first fall scrimmage. Now, a couple guys still in yellow jerseys. We're gonna be smart with that. Randy Charlton's one of them. I guess gonna be a big part of things for us. Uh, in a yellow jersey today. J.P. Purvis has been in yellow a little bit this week. Uh, earlier this week, we had five guys, I guess, either in the pit or in yellow jerseys. That That's getting better. So thus far, and again, knock on wood, if, you, if there's some around you, so far, State's been healthy. And that's gonna be key for us. We have some depth, but we don't wanna to have to test that depth. We like our frontline players to be able to play. I mean, I remember last year I mean, when, when J.D., J- Jordan Davis, went down in the, in the fall scrimmage. You know, it's just one of those things, man. It's just one that just blows me away. It's like, you know, here's a guy in the prime of his life, and it's this is freak injury, and he's done for the year. Uh, he's back. I believe he's been able to kind of trust the injury a little bit more, and uh, I won't be there tomorrow, but we will have full coverage over at jeanspage.com. Dave Murray, Paul Jones. I think Robbie will be there. So we'll have some observations. We'll have uh, you know, some comments about the scrimmage once it's over, and you'll be able to, to kind of see all that uh, tomorrow on jeanspage.com. So today, though, was a little different. I didn't think we appeared to be quite as focused, and I think Mike Leach saw that as well. We did some up-downs. Jason Washington said earlier this week, we're going to lead the country in up-downs. And so when guys don't do what they're supposed to do, they got to do up-downs. So Leach got the entire team together. He got out in the center. And the entire team circled up and did up-downs. And he spoke with some bass in his voice by getting focused and getting ready to go, and stop wasting time in practice. And I thought we were a little bit sharper after that. There were some (laughs) up-downs later, too, but not team-wide. But uh, Mike is an old-school coach, and he believes in accountability. A lot of people see him up there at the podium and they think oh you know he's kind of like that lovable favorite uncle and he is in many respects but he is he very much believes in holding people to a standard and if we're not getting the level of play we want in practice Mike's going to stop practice there was a time last year he started to practice over you know we're out there we're just kind of going through the motions yeah I tell you well let's just start it over how about that I respect it I did think well Rodgers looked good today I think Will's having a really, really good camp. And as I've mentioned the leadership piece with you guys, too. But, you know, to me, Will simply looks to be more confident. He knows what he's doing. He's got a couple years in the system now. People forget, you know, two years ago, we're going through fall camp, right, which was delayed because of the COVID quarantine. Will Rogers won the number two job as a true freshman. Now, some of that, of course, is because Will Rogers was kind of handpicked by Mike Leach. Even though he signed with Joe Moorhead, Leach recruited him to Washington State. Obviously, hey, the Gardner Minshew uh, <laughs> gamble paid off in a huge way. So let's go back down there. Let's go get, that, let's go get the guy that is playing for the guy that helped develop Gardner Minshew at Brandon High School and Wyatt Rogers. And so you go get that guy, then Mike obviously inherits him. And I remember the very first time that I met Will Rogers, I thought, this, this kid's never coming here. It's just not going to happen. Grew up in an Ole Miss family. Grew up uh, cheering for the Rebels against us in the Egg Bowl. But I tell you this, I give Will a lot of credit. He handled the recruiting process in a very mature manner. And I remember talking uh, to Joe, you know, after signing day. I said, Joe, I'm not going to lie to you. There were some times I really wondered, you know, especially with Ole Miss making a coaching change, because I thought Will probably fit what Lane Kiffin wanted to do very well I knew Matt Corral did and people forget Matt Corral until he transferred you know uh, John Rice Pumley fit what uh, Rich Rod wanted to do and I thought well you know what Lane Kiffin's going to have more of a pass first scheme they may come after Will Rogers and because of the fact that uh, he's got some connections to that program historically we might be in trouble Joe told me he never doubted it he said man the family was just so solid and not just solid in the commitment but solid as people where their word meant something and so joe goes and gets him and who knew and i don't to be honest with you i don't know that will was the perfect fit for the joe scheme you know, because there's the running component in the scheme i think will was a perfect fit for the air raid but will's having a good camp and one of the reasons will's having such a good camp is because you've got some receivers around him that know what they're doing. You know, two years ago, many of our receivers were seeing zone coverage for the first time in their playing careers. We've just touched about that on the show before, too. You know, when Dan Mullen was here, and to a certain extent Joe Moorhead, you had to stop the run. You had to focus the run, especially with your safety. So you would walk guys up, and you would basically dare Mississippi State to throw it. And kind of going back to that wide receiver recruiting, you know, we had recruited some solid wide receivers. We didn't have a lot of game breakers. And so not only did they not know how to handle zone coverage, they had never really seen it. And now all of a sudden, it's like we've taught them how to uncover and to find green grass, to throw people open. We're doing that with some great consistency. I don't think we're going to see a lot of man coverage this year. I do think one of the things that can help us with that is if everybody's going to drop eight, we can we can gash him a little more with the running game. I've been really impressed with the running backs. We talked about Simeon Price earlier. Uh, Jason Washington spoke about Simeon this evening in our media opportunity. That's something you you can go watch and you can read in its entirety over jeanspage.com, a free article. I just feel that our running backs have grown up. People forget, you know, back in 2020 we kind of threw woody marks and dylan johnson to the wolves because we didn't have a lot of other opportunities you know colin hill and i love colin hill i do guys an incredible player you know things just didn't match the way we'd hoped they did and i, I remember hearing shortly after mike got here he goes you know colin, colin may not survive fall spring practice he gets Injured against Arkansas, and the next thing you know, we're having to depend on two freshmen. And, and that's still a game we should have won. That's two consecutive years we've lost to those guys in games we should have won. And I'm sure they're thinking, well, we're just a better program than Mississippi State. And I think, they, I think that line of thinking is going to be huge this year for Mississippi State. The next thing you know, Kyle opts out after the Kentucky game. And so you got two true freshmen, and Woody Marks as a freshman could not make anybody miss in space. Woody Marks could not run through that first tackle. Last year, you saw a much more physical presence from Woody Marks. You see him now? I can't wait for you guys to see him now. You talk about advancement. You talk about improvement. You talk about a guy that is bigger, faster, stronger, and wiser, understanding his role in the scheme. And I don't, I don't think there are going to be a lot of DBs that want to square him up in the open field. I think you're going to hope you can usher him out of bounds. Dylan Johnson back at practice the last few days, of course, uh, Dylan Jr. He has a son now. And uh, ironically, born on the same day as my son, Ani, August 8th. It's a special day, which means he's probably an athlete, right? No, seriously, Dylan's another guy that has really matured. Dylan's a guy, too, that has gotten a little more elusive. You saw that last year, but watching him in camp, he's another guy, too. He gets his, his pad squared line of scrimmage. He catches the ball. Gets upfield rather quickly. And so, again, incrementally, I think you're going to see some improvement from both those guys. And then, of course, you know, Bull, Hargrove, and Simeon Price add some different dimensions. And Hargrove had a difficult practice earlier this week. Been a little better since then. You know, that's, that, that's young guys. There's going to be some up and down in practice. Just is. And Simeon Price, I, I think that that is a weapon we've needed. I had somebody tell me he's more of a true air raid running back. And so when you see him, I think you're going to kind of understand. He is a guy I suspect in a foot race would beat Woody and DJ. I don't know if he'd beat Bull. But that's a guy, too. You flip it out there to him in space because he does have a little wiggle and he's got some burst that he can turn that short gain into a chunk play. I've seen it all week. This week, he has been outstanding. Last year in fall camp, he's kind of guessing a little bit. He's been outstanding this week. It's like the lights come on for him. He's like, okay, now I'm healthy again. Let's go. Really excited about him. Uh, some of these younger receivers too. We we haven't talked a lot about them. You know, Xavier Thomas made some big plays early in camp, and uh, he has been a pretty consistent performer. I do think that he is a guy that will play for Mississippi State a lot. Does he play a lot this year? I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm ready for that just yet. But that's the guy, too, that we're really excited about as we kind of move forward thinking about you know, the Mississippi State future. Now, one of the guys that continues to kind of flash in practice, and I will, I will do a Friday flash report at some point before I go to bed tonight over at Gene's page, but um, it's uh, Janoris Hobson. The guy has really, really looked good. Now, you know, a lot of those freshmen sometimes are scared to get physical, Right? I mean, you don't know how hard you got to go and practice. You don't know you know, kind of wh- where you are and kind of how things settle. Janoris Hobson has not really shown anybody any respect in that respect. When it's when it's time to get out there and go, this guy brings a very physical brand of football. I won't be surprised if he plays this year. Now, of course, you get four games to play him and preserve a red shirt. But Hop is a the guy, they call him Hop. Hop is a guy that will get out there and get next to you. When they're throwing the bubble underneath and he's the outside blocker, he's going to seal you outside. I mean, I've seen it day in and day out. I've seen him go down and make some difficult catches. One thing I'll say about these four new receivers, these guys uh, have come out there and kind of demanded to be seen. Now, Marquez Dortch, they call him Mojo. I'm giving you guys the insider trading here. Supposedly documented as the fastest player on our team. Needs to get in the weight room, get a little bit stronger. But the guy is very, very explosive. Now, you remember this whole thing with State and Ole Miss. You know, he, he committed. He was supposed to be MJ Daniels, and he wanted to go together. And so, he commits to Ole Miss, and then State stays on, and we get him. And there was the rub about, hey, we think he's a DB. And then our folks thought he was a receiver. After watching him in practice for a few days, I think he could play either one. I think his heart is in wide receiver. And i love seeing him get the ball in the jet sweep i mean that guy comes in motion They give it to him it's like as soon as you get that block when the tackle blocks down it's like as soon as he sees it he just explodes and then it's becoming a foot race And then you better be able to hem him up if not he's going to make you look awfully silly because he's going to win the foot race to the end zone if you miss the tackle it's six he's an explosive player and again I don't know how much he plays this year, but it bodes well for the Bulldog future. Caden Pope's done some nice things, too. Another kid that needs to get in the weight room. Um, but I like this entire group, I really, really do. I really like the entire group, and I think it's a group we can get excited about. We talk about wide receiver recruiting and what it all means. I think that's evidence that we're doing a good job evaluating. We talk about our transfer guys, you know, and again, Jordan Mosley looks like a guy that's been here all along. I really like Jordan Mosley. Uh, again, they call him Joe Mo, not to be confused with Jim Moorhead. But it's like he's been here all along. He doesn't look the least bit hesitant. It's like he understands his role in the scheme. He understands what's expected of him. Uh, he made a catch today right around the goal line, then powered through the DB into the end zone. You know, probably catches it at the two, initial contact, made it the one, and then he wins that leg drive battle and gets into the end zone and then next thing i know austin williams is coming up you know let's go eight let's go let's get it done you know these newcomers justin robinson and jordan mosley they're going to make you immediately better so basically in many respects you're kind of looking at this you kind of traded makai polk and malik heath as talented as they are for jordan mosley and uh justin robinson so if they can match that level of production, it's going to be huge. But, again, I think you're going to do it by committing. And I think Justin Robinson, he has trimmed up some since the spring. That's a guy, too, when he's running around out there in a pass pattern you're going to be excited about. Another guy, explosive. Another guy that's a big target with a very lengthy catch radius. This wide receiver group's going to be good. And it's like you say with Steve, I'm hearing about all these guys. You haven't even talked about, about Wally. You hadn't talked about Austin Wiggins. You hadn't talked about Tulu. You hadn't talked about Rufus. That's kind of the point I'm making is you know those guys are known commodities, and I think Rufus Rufus is having Rufus Harvey is having the best camp of his Bulldog career. Again, not the biggest guy, a guy that gets open, a guy that catches football. Is he a guy that's going to win out in the open field? I don't know about that, but I know this. I know that uh, he gets in and out of his break so quickly that he doesn't need a really big passing window. He creates a nice one because he is so quick and so fleet of foot. But I'm excited about this group. Uh, Dollar Bell Johnson, I thought, had a really good camp on Wednesday. Didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of team stuff today. But here's what I did notice, and these are the things that stick out to me. It's kind of like if I don't notice you on the offensive line, you're probably doing a good job. Because if I notice you, it means you likely got beat. I didn't see a ton of pressure coming off that left side today. And I think Dollar Bill is a guy that's kind of settling in and finding some confidence. I think I share with you guys, too, like he spent the off season kind of on his own, you know, working with trainers, doing some additional work to get better. I mean, it's time, right? This is his time to shine. He's played up and down the line. There's some times that he struggled with holding, right? There's some times he struggled with uh, even temper, you know, uh, kind of pushes and shoves a little bit. He's got some nasty with him. If we can find a way to kind of make that some controlled aggression, right, let's avoid the silly penalty. You know, move your feet. And that was really the thing last year with him is we weren't moving our feet. Well, left tackle, you have to. You know, when you're playing guard, sometimes you get beat inside. You kind of grab and hold. Because close quarters. I think Dollar Bill probably benefits from being out there with a little more room to operate. The guy's a natural athlete. Even as big as he is, the guy has great footwork. I mean, he's posted videos of him dancing on Twitter. He can do it. It's just a matter of getting him to trust his technique. And so, again, I feel good about that offensive line. You know, that's really the only question on offense, right? And that's, and that's the thing I t- tell you guys. like, what if I told you that we're going to be good at left tackle? We're not going to be great. not going to be elite. We're going to be good. And if if you heard that, you'd say, you know what? Hey, if that's true, we're going to be good. And we are. We're going to be a good team. And I have people that are like, oh, oh, there's this and there's that. It's like we're just trying to, like, go ahead and kind of beat ourselves to the punch just so we can come back later and kind of lay the groundwork and say, I told you all, you know, what a terrible way to go through life, man. It's okay to be hopeful. And, again, you know, we're, what, seven practices into this thing now? Now keep waiting, you know, for the bad practice. And today wasn't a great practice, but it wasn't a bad practice. There were still some some shining moments today. And I think that's an important thing to remember. We're starting to get some consistent work in. Consistently putting in good reps, consistently putting in good measured work in our positions. You got guys that are getting bigger, you got guys that are getting stronger, you're getting guys getting more experience. Now, it's still a bit of a melting pot, right? I mean, we've got to get out there and see how they're going to perform when you're playing against somebody that's not their friends, when somebody is trying to hurt them. Now, flip over to the defensive side of the football here. I can't say enough about the defensive front. Uh, we're really good up front. and like In talking to some of our, you know, some of our coaches kind of off the cuff a little bit, uh, our offensive coaches will tell you this is a really good defensive front, which, of course, prepares us for the league. You know, we're going to see guys with this level of experience and talent throughout the conference schedule. And so I think it makes it a little easier to make the adjustment now. You know, we play the non-conference schedule for a reason, to kind of get up to speed. I think we're going to be closer to SEC speed much earlier in the season this year because of the quality of the defensive line that your offensive line is facing every day in drills. And it, and it gets contentious sometimes, too. You know, the, the defense will make a play, talk a little trash, offensive come back and, and kind of get even and I love it. I do. But I love this defensive group, uh, the, the, the front. We're going to be difficult to run on. Now, there will be some people at times that will run some traps and they'll run some trick plays and things like that, and they make ashes every once in a while. But as far as somebody lining up and consistently making a living running the football against this front, I just don't see it. I think people are going to have to be balanced. They're going to have to use some play action stuff, and that's why I look at games like this Kentucky game, you know, that offense is predicated on the ability to establish the run and then implement play action off of it. Well, if you can't run the football, that play action means nothing, absolutely nothing. And then that's a wide receiver group but that doesn't have the explosiveness they had a year ago. Again, it's not a good matchup for them. Now, I think Bookie Watson has hit another level at linebacker. I mean, every time I turn around, he's fitting the gap, making a physical play all the time. And it it, it, ha- it is so commonplace, it's not even sometimes worth noting. You know, sometimes all of a sudden you see a big play, like, hey, who was that? And you look, oh, that's so-and-so. When Bookie Watson does it, it's just kind of like, okay, let's just go again. The guy has consistently become a great player. People forget, you know, he put him out there that freshman year and uh, – I think is the very first time he played, I guess was Georgia. Led the team in tackles. You know, Bookie Watson is another one of those guys that doesn't accept, well, this is just kind of how things are. Mississippi State's supposed to lose this game. I mean, I think Bookie Watson's like, no, we're, we're as good as these, these guys. We can go play. We can play with these guys. But watching how explosive that he is now, because, you know, first year he was kind of guessing a little bit, kind of getting bound athleticism. You can tell now watching him work with Mad Brock that he understands where he's supposed to be and that's not to say that every time that you know that he's always right I mean he gets some correction like everybody else but he is consistently making plays in team drills consistently I don't think I've heard yet of him him getting yelled at for being out of position where he's overrun a play where he didn't read his key I don't think I've heard that yet now granted there's a lot going on out there don't get me wrong there's it's, it's not like we're all just sitting there watching the same practice field you got multiple practice fields and Then they kind of cut one of them into two sides. And there's, you know, so you got to kind of move around to see all this. But Bookie Watson's always getting called doing the right thing. You know, Jet still being Jet. You know, I I feel really good about this first-team linebacker group. And, again, I think Deshaun Page kind of getting back and kind of getting acclimated, that's going to be big for us too. Still a little bit worried about depth, a little bit. A little bit worried about depth there. Now, I've told you guys too about how, how impressed I am with Jackie Matthews. This is another guy, too, that I think he is one of the fastest guys on defense and playing safety, you kind of have to be. But he also has the ball skills to go with it. Every time the ball approaches, he engages and either breaks it up, picks it off. That's really, really good. And it was kind of an unheralded announcement. You know, when we got him from West Virginia, people were like, okay, yay, okay, West Virginia. This guy is a converted corner playing safety, so he already has the ability to play the football out in the pass pattern. But, again, a week into this thing, we talk about having difference makers on defense. That guy's a difference maker. That guy's a really good player. Of course, Colin Duncan's out there. Jalen Green's out there. I mean, the athleticism is there. Marcus Banks continues to flash, and and I love his practice habits, and maybe that's something that he brought with him to Alabama or maybe it's something he picked up in Tuscaloosa. The kid practice is really, really hard, really hard. And we talked at length last year, we just didn't have any dogs in the secondary, especially at safety. I mean, you knew what you had with Martin and, and, and Forbes, right? But we didn't have those guys that really made people think twice about crossing the face of the safety. We didn't have people that would make you pay that if your ball placement was a little bit sloppy, throwing down the field that we could make you play. We just didn't have the ball skills. I think we do now. I think with these additions, and speaking of additions, uh, Jordan Morat had a couple of huge hits today out in the flats. He diagnoses a play and he gets down there, and that's a guy too. He didn't have the benefit of the Bulldog spring. He just got here this summer. But now he's starting to flash a little bit, and that, that's encouraging too. It, it tells me, number one, not only do we do a good job recruiting, we did a good job evaluating to fit a team need. There's a lot of people out there, to go get a bunch of transfers. And it's like, okay, well, then we'll kind of make a football team out of these guys. You know, we already had a football roster together. We had a couple needs. We, we met most of them. We, we would love to have had another offensive tackle, right? I mean, we'd been able to get like a seasoned offensive tackle. That'd have been great. That's probably the only like glaring thing you look back. We did get Stephen Lasoya, who was kind of slid inside and played some at guard and center. And he's doing okay. He is. But we'd like to have been able to get another starter a tackle to kind of shake some things out. We didn't, but we have hit, I believe, we have hit on these receivers and these defensive backs. And that's the thing, we had this discussion yesterday. Somebody's like, oh, we did this, we we missed on this. Let's not forget about all the things we did right. You go get Justin Robinson, you get Jordan Mosley. Guys that are very, very loud in practice. You got Jackie Matthews. You got Marcus Banks. You got Jordan Morant. Those guys were all four-star players. I mean, those are things I think sometimes we we dwell so much on maybe the issues that maybe we didn't do as well as we'd like, and we forget about the things we did really well on. And so I just point that out because I have been impressed with what I've seen in practice. And I would tell you if I hadn't been, am I still a little concerned? The two concerns kind of still persist for me, which is, you know, can Dollar Bill handle it at left tackle? I, I feel a little bit better eight days into this, but until we line up and go play an actual opponent, I'm not gonna know for sure. But I'm a little I'm I'm more encor- encouraged this week than maybe I was last week. Linebacker, hey, I love our first team group. I'm still a little bit concerned. I Deshawn Page had a good couple days, that makes me feel better. Ty Cooper had a really good day on Wednesday, had a couple sacks, kind of in relief of Ty Tyrus Weed. So seeing those guys flash a little bit begin to make me think, okay, hey, can I get a dozen snaps out of this guy a game? Can I get 20 snaps a game out of this guy? Yeah, maybe so. But by the time we get to the end of camp, we need to have some assurances that, yes, Dollar Bill can handle offensive tackle, and, yes, we've got a serviceable two-deep that can make plays in the event we have to you know, put those guys in. And uh, I think Matt Brock's done a good job, too. And the, the players seem to really like him. But it wouldn't be practice if Arnett wasn't out there, you know, barking at people and kind of, hey, let's do this, let's do that, let's get going, get off the field. One of the things that irritates him is when guys are just jogging onto the field, like when it's time to change the unit out. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, this group has gotten their, their period in. He doesn't like people to jog on the field. He wants you to take the field ready to play. And so that's something, again, I think is important. But again, defense at times last year, I think kind of got a pass because we were so inconsistent on offense. But I think we have done a good job addressing those needs defensively. And I'm excited for all of us to see these guys play defense. And you should be, too. All right, time for the final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I'd love to be that close to campus. And it's not too close to campus where you can't have all privacy. It's 1.1 miles away from campus. Tucked away off of 82. Excuse me, you turn off 82 on a 12. You take that first right, you have always wonder where that road leads, what well, le- leads to Portico. You take that right on Pad Station Road, go through the four way stop, boom, there's Portico. Your new neighbors are already there enjoying life, already doing it. Phase one, completely sold out. Phase two, under construction and for sale. And there's also some other lots too that maybe you're thinking, hey, I, I've gotta have certain things so you can have a say in the building plans and the lot. A lot of options for you now let, let me encourage you call my friend brooks bryan i, I love brooks great dude man and uh, brooks part of a great group bringing this wonderful residential development to starkville to make it a better place to live 601-416-8075 601-416-8075 and, I, and the thing i think about too is even if you're not a huge sports fan like if you work at the university what better way to be that close 1.1 miles away, outstanding. Make Portico your next move. All right, time for another SEC West and Mississippi State opponent preview. It's LSU. You know, we're going alphabetically here, if I can continue to remember my ABCs. Uh, we're doing LSU today. And so, of course, a coaching change. You know, Ed Ryan's gone. Nobody's really shocked by that. But he's done. And uh, a lot of crazy stories have come out about Ed since then. But, you know, Ed and him uh, win that final game and get Boy eligible. And uh, him and his girlfriend head down to the Gulf Coast and say, you know what? I'm done with all this. I, I, I won't be surprised if he doesn't like resurface like for some TV because Ed's an entertaining guy. He really is. But uh, he got a nice chunk of change to leave. A lot of money being spent in the post-COVID era on some of these buyouts. But uh, let's take a quick look back at last year. They open up and lose on the road at UCLA. And I think that's when everybody realized, you know what? LSU was in trouble. They are in trouble. And UCLA absolutely picked that secondary apart. They played McNeese the next week and went 34-7, but it was still a tussle until basically LSU's athleticism took over in the second half. I think people forget that. It was not, you know, it ends up being a 34-7 game. I think LSU fans were expecting to go in and beat them 65-0. Didn't quite work out that way. The next week, pretty solid win here, actually. Central Michigan was playing well at the time. We thought they might be able to exploit that LSU secondary. They just couldn't stop LSU. 49-21 win uh, for the Tigers. And then they come to Mississippi State with a three and one record. Excuse me, two and one record. And we were optimistic about the game. And of course, they're, you know, again, our self-loathing fans that are scared of their shadow. Oh, man, Ed Orgeron said he have been working on Mississippi State all year. Okay, great. Still got to go play the game. And this is a game, in hindsight, I think we all agree we should have won this game. We didn't. We lose 28-25. But I think we played them well enough that we felt like, you know what, it's not going to sap our confidence. But I will say this. We had to make kind of a, a, a hurried run in the fourth quarter to make this game as close as it was. There was some separation in this game, much of it through our own ineptitude. You remember we kind of climbed back in the game – and then Rodney Gross gets that leaping penalty that was completely ridiculous. We're back in the game, and then they get a first down and go right down and score. And basically, that was a difference in the game. You say, what well, never comes down to one play. In reality, if we just don't leap right there, we get the ball back. We had all the momentum, and we're getting the ball back. It's probably a different ball game. But instead, we make a stupid penalty, give them a first down. They go down and score and push ahead two scores and – you know, we were behind the eight ball at that point. Had to make that hurried comeback in the fourth quarter to make it look decent. We just couldn't finish. All right, so then all of a sudden they're feeling good because they've had this great game plan they've worked on, you know, for a year to beat us, and they they beat us by three. And then Auburn goes in, into Tiger Stadium. And I remember – I can't remember where we were. We are getting ready to cover a ball game. Um, but Bo Nix was doing whatever he wanted to do. I mean, absolutely just slicing those guys up. I mean, Auburn wins that game 24 19. And and, uh, at the time, it seemed like a really significant victory. You're thinking, you know what? Auburn's for real. They didn't prove to be. All right. The next week, they go to Kentucky. And I thought LSU would maybe bounce back a little bit, you know, because they've got a good running game. They should have some athletes in the secondary. And Kentucky absolutely shoved them, 42 to 21. I think in hindsight, this may have been the best Kentucky played all year. Honest to goodness. Will Davis was great. And LSU always think about linebackers. It's just, it's incredible to me to think that LSU defensively would give up 42 points to a team like Kentucky that's not necessarily an explosive offense. All right, the next week, just when it seems all is lost and the Tigers are three and three, they host Florida. And this is when the wheels really came off for Florida. LSU runs for a school record in this game. Absolutely just beat them up. It was a very entertaining game if you didn't have a rooting interest. right? I mean, I was at Campus Bookmark watching this game with Stan a Man uh, during the book signing. And every time you looked up, somebody else was in the end zone. It was a, a phenomenal game. And these last two years, the LSU-Florida game has been outstanding. This one is one that I'm sure the Florida fans are still going to be, you know, smarting about for a while. All right, so they get that dub. Now they're four and three. They go to Vault Hemingway, and I picked LSU to win this game. I thought, okay, LSU with their running game and Ole Miss's anemic run defense, that this should work out. It didn't. Give Ole Miss some credit. The LSU had some juice and some momentum. Ole Miss protects the home turf. It was actually a pretty good ball game. Ole Miss puts them away late. But. LSU again offensively, it just kind of disappeared. They get the week off, and then you think, okay, all is lost here. They're four and four. There's all this discussion, of course, about Ed Orgeron's future. They go to Bryant Denny and nearly beat the Crimson Tide. I mean, you talk about you know, you know, heckle and jide type heckle, Jekyll and Hyde type deal, 20 to 14, and LSU played hard. It's like they didn't play well defensively against Florida. They didn't play well defensively against Ole Miss, but somehow they go to Bryant Denny Stadium. I don't know what they did during the bye week, but they were born again hard down the stretch. They lost Arkansas 16 13 in overtime, a game they should have won. We talk about you know Arkansas in many respects. Hey, you win the close ball games because the woulda, have, shoulda, have, coulda have will get you nowhere in life. But LSU defensively, again, plays really good. The next week, they play UL Monroe, rested some guys and nearly cost them. They win 27-14. Not that the Warhawks were a real challenge, but you know defensively, LSU pretty good in this ballgame. And then they beat AM. and That's become such a wild game at the end of the year. This Remember they had the Big 7 overtime game where it was a few years ago? Absolutely ridiculous. AM wins because of a blown call. and Ed Orgeron leaves with his hands held high. They have reached bowl eligibility. They were 4-6 and with two games to play. They win the last two. And then they go play Kansas State in the uh, Texas Bowl with basically nothing. They had a bunch of guys opt out. They could have just said, you know what, we're done. They didn't have a quarterback. They took a guy that was a a quarterback in high school, and they built an offense around him. And I give those kids credit for – representing themselves and fam- their families and their program and the pride of that program, despite the fact that they were and Kansas State ran all over them. They went 42 to 20. But I cannot in any way say anything negative about those kids and said, you know what, hey, let's go play anyway. We're LSU. Kind of like our situation too. We had a bunch of kids out with COVID and injury, went not play the game, we got beat. But you should never just say, hey, well, we're not gonna play because we might lose. And I respect those kids. I do, and I respect. There are a lot of other people that canceled games because of pride or ego or whatever. That just wasn't the case for LSU, and I commend them for it. All right, let's take a quick look at kind of what LSU's got coming back. Of course, a big change, Uh, some change in offensive philosophy too, but LSU's always had athletes. Brian Kelly, it'll be interesting to see. I'm glad we get them early, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, LSU – is a national brand they're going to recruit at a national level. Is Nussmeyer the future? I think that's one of those things. I think that's one of those things. I think this is where I think Brian Kelly benefits. You've got a guy with a, with a nice pedigree. But I think in the brand of offense they want to run, which is a little bit different than what she ran. I think it's a little more quarterback friendly. I don't think Nussmeyer will have to take quite as much uh, you know, punishment you know, being a runner out there, it's interesting, too. You know, since since OSU won an NFL championship, they're 11 and 12 since then. Pretty crazy stuff. All right, so there's a lot going on, right, with this team. Uh, Miles Brennan is still there. Does he win the job? Does Nussmeyer win the job? Uh, Jaden Daniels, of course, some competition in the room. They have gotten some good options at quarterback for a, for a group that didn't have anything to play a bowl game with, right? You had to get a reserve receiver to play in the bowl game, but all of a sudden you look at this depth chart and you think, you know what? Hey, Walker Howard's there too. You know, you've got you've got you know the makings of a good quarterback room. So I, I suspect quarterback play will improve, and it helps when you've got Keishawn Butte out there who is absolutely phenomenal. Got hurt against us. Nobody saw the full LSU the rest of the year after us. If we had played them later in the year, that's probably a W. Should have been a W anyway. But uh, Bouté likes to come back, so we'll see what happens. Um, there's just not a lot of, of offensive skill that's returning. You look at and say, "Hey, this guy's scary." Boutte makes everybody nervous. But LSU and to give Ed Orgeron credit—they've always recruited to skill positions pretty well. They're not some known commodities there, and of course, Deion Smith leaves, and he's now in junior college. Uh, we'll kind of see how things progress, but um, there will be some new names. <laughs> there always are. Uh, offensive line—they got—they got some work to do here as well. Uh, you know, we'll see kind of how that works, but uh, I, I just—I think this LSU offense will probably find some juice later. Got to find some playmakers, got to settle the offensive line. Uh, who's going to be running back, Is John You know, John Emory sat out last year despite all the lawsuit stuff and that kind of stuff. And uh, you remember how crazy that was. It was something, you know, there was somebody keyed in a course run, It was something that happened, and he was ineligible because of something they did, not that anything he did. You know, the, he didn't take enough courses or whatever and didn't meet degree progress requirements or whatever. So it's no fault of his, uh, based on the reports, obviously. But uh, maybe he comes back. And, and, you know, he was a guy that was expected to come to Mississippi State and goes to LSU. You know, and and maybe he's underachieved, right? I think that's a fair assessment. All right, defensively, LSU's LSU is always, always, always going to be linebacker-friendly in their schemes. they're going to go from the traditional four-three cover two because Orson always wanted four-down lineman because he's a deep-line coach. They're going, they're going with three-man front mostly this year, and you've got the amazing B.J. Ojolari that's back. Ali Gay came back, which was kind of unexpected, and then uh, you know, these linebackers are going to be good. They just, they just are. They always seem to be. And of course, Mike Jones, who yeah, Mike Jones is back. The secondary may be a little bit dicey, but like Mississippi State, LSU had to go out there and work the portal a little bit hard. You know, of course, Derek Stingley's gone, and uh, they went out and got Greg Brooks Jr. from Arkansas and Joe Fouché, and Joe Fouché has killed us. Greg Brooks had a pick six against us, too. I'm not a huge Greg Brooks fan. I know a lot of other people are, but they have worked this portal hard, and could there be some communication issues when you play a team like Mississippi State? And, again, this is why I'm glad we get them early. I remember Sylvester Kroom liked to play them first just to get it over with. But uh, I think our best chance to beat them is early. Now, let's run through the schedule and the final moments we have together uh, before we get out of here. They open up in New Orleans against Florida State. I think that's going to be awfully interesting. That's a Sunday game, so we'll be able to watch that, watch our game, and then come home and enjoy that. It's Labor Day weekend too. How much fun that is! And so that's a Florida State game. Who knows? This is two teams with a lot of question marks. But that could be a launching pad for somebody, and then a stumbling block for the next one. The next week they played the Southern Jaguars, and it's good to see them play the crosstown team. Like kind of how I feel about us playing Jackson State and Alcorn. If you're going to spend that money to pay a FCS school, do it to an in-state school, and it benefits your state. So they'll probably be able to rest some guys. <laughs> before they play us right so mississippi state in tiger stadium week number three i'm gonna go with lsu winning the florida state game and winning southern i think both state and lsu will be 2-0 and going into that game now they lose to florida state who knows but i think they're 2-0 and going in and again i don't know that They're going to have the the secondary communication stuff down yet. And so I think we'll be able to go out there and really kind of get after them a little bit. And so I think it's a competitive game. That said, I think we lose. Uh, I I would love to win this game. It would be huge to kind of set up the rest of the schedule really well for us. But we have taken some really good teams down to Tiger Stadium and come on with a loss. The main thing we have to do is get to the half within a score. We can't let that 91,000 crowd kind of take over the ballgame. All right, the next week they play New Mexico, uh, and so that's a W. Then they go to Jordan Hare, which is, you know, I never know. But you begin to look at this and you think, okay, let's say they get through Florida State and Mississippi State. These guys could be sitting at 5-0 heading into the bulk of the schedule in October. Can we win? Yes. Will we win? I don't know. Can LSU win at Auburn? I would say probably so. I think that Auburn team is going to be – is going to struggle this year. And then LSU plays Tennessee. In Baton Rouge, I got Tennessee winning this thing. I think offensively there's going to be too much for LSU. And then LSU goes to Florida. I got the Gators winning that game too. So, all of a sudden, you've got this great start. You've got the the midseason malaise. And then they welcome Ole Miss – into Baton Rouge but prior to the bye week. I think LSU can win that game. I, I do. I think Ole Miss, this is, is going to kind of start the second half swoon for them. I think Ole Miss gets off to a great start. And if they don't, they're in really big trouble because the second half of that schedule is loaded. After LSU beats Ole Miss, they got the bye week. They play Alabama in Tiger Stadium. That's a loss, but I, I suspect they'll play well. And then they got go to go to, to Arkansas. And that's... Interesting too, right? What does that defense do against KJ Jefferson? They should have won the game last year, they didn't, but now you gotta go on the road and Razorback Stadium is a fun place to play. And then UAB. That's a win. And then you gotta go to College Station. I think that's probably a loss. So I I got let's run it down again. Let's say they win the first five and then lose Tennessee and Florida, lose to Alabama, they're five and three. I got them losing at 8 AM too, So they're probably going seven and five, eight and four. It could be worse. But I think with the talent they have available, even in year one, that you know they'll be bowl eligible and probably be a game or two over. But this is a team too. If they don't get a couple breaks, they could be six and six. They could be staring six and six right in the face. But again, they're gonna have talent. They're gonna have talent, and talent wins in this league. And uh, everybody's got talent. But um I just think LSU is probably one of the premier destinations from a recruiting standpoint. So that's kind of how I see it. Maybe you disagree. I think they're gonna, they've are going they got a lot to settle. I think LSU has a ton of questions, and I would much rather play them earlier before they get it figured out. And we're kind of right smack dab in the middle of it. If this game was in, in Starkville, I would pick State to win. I consider it a toss-up down there just because – you just never know how we're going to handle 91,000. And say, well, Steve, we handled 88,000 pretty good at College Station. Yes, we did. And my hope is the benefit from that experience will serve us well. We take on the Tigers. All right, that's it for today, man. Again, let's celebrate Chris Day responsibly. Hope that you guys get some cowbells, have a good time with that. If you haven't done so, go to dogpilotabook.com and get all my sports books there. You can get signed copies. And, uh, matter of fact, just notified Lemuria Books. Got a new, uh, up, new stock of uh, dog pile the newest printing so if you're looking for that you can find it there uh, we're all over the state we're at Turnwell books i was in there yesterday and met with them um, you know, so if you got questions and you want to go back to your local bookstore you can do that they can get it for you if not you can go to book.com, you get alpha dogs stark villains flim flam and at Dogpile. if you're looking for bloomsville leander find it at amazon barnes and books and and if you're looking for shirts, and I'm getting a lot of questions about it again, go to StarkVillains.com, and you can get it. If you live locally, you can get it in your high school colors. How cool is that? You can go to the Starkville High School Yellow Jackets game wearing a black and gold Starkville shirt. How cool is that? Go check it out today. That's it. We'll see you on Monday. Until next time, though, let's live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.
1: Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad.